In 2019, Kylie Jenner, part of the Kardashian clan, became the youngest self-made billionaire in history thanks to social media and her reputation as an influencer and entrepreneur. Her Instagram account alone has reported 341 million followers. For anyone outside the Kardashian-Jenner loop, this is Kylie. So, today's going to be a really fun day because we are doing a drunk get ready with me with Chloe using my brand new birthday collection and I just found this there really isn't more perfect occasion than to drink this with my sister days away from my 22nd birthday let's do this all right my security is gonna drive no drinking and driving here while British playwright Jasmine Lee Jones examines friendship, cancel culture, cultural appropriation and queer identity in her new work Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. It's the play Tamaki Makoro Silo Theatre has chosen as a centrepiece of its 25th anniversary programme. I spoke to one of the stars of the play, Bartanai Martian Geidzer, and to the director, Keegan Carr-Franch, who explains, for those who don't keep up with the Kardashians, where Kylie fits in. Kylie is one of the Jenners of the Kardashian-Jenner clan, uh, and she is a daughter of Kris Jenner and uh, Caitlyn Jenner, um, and uh, yeah, has, has started uh, a makeup empire. Uh, started as a model, or started as a, as a Jenner, I suppose, and then became a model as a result of that, and now is a makeup mogul. That's a well-known story, and with it, with fame comes... Um, attention and some of it wanted and some of it unwelcome but what is Jasmine Lee Jones really exploring in this play because even the title of it is provocative of course yeah it is provocative and uh, it's sort of inherently violent isn't it but Jasmine's trying to engage people in conversation about uh, the violence that yes cultural appropriation by rich white people in turn and acts on specifically black women, black women of African descent. So the play is a deep dive really into a facet of modern living, which can be quite difficult to speak about with those who don't experience it themselves. And that is yeah, colorism and anti-blackness and how those are intensified online by the viciousness of the internet, um, social media images and the portrayal of black women specifically. So how does Kylie, for all her fame, exemplify this? <laughs> Uh, well, it sort of started with um, her her new lips, really, and then and then sort of her new body. So, black women are very often condemned or teased or mocked for having bigger lips than than Pakia people. And then here comes Kylie a few years ago, and she sort of had very very thin lips, still present, but very thin lips, and then uh, got lip fillers, and suddenly she was getting praised for having these bigger lips which are the size of many black women's lips who and they get teased on the playground or you know called names like like you're a fish or something awful things like that and yeah was Kylie sort of getting praised for it and then people were copying her and she then starts producing her lip kits her famous lip kits profiting um off an image that for black women it's their lives and they get sort of um, really quite viciously ridiculed for so, so that's is, how it began and so, so this is where the cultural yeah. appropriation comes in that's where it comes in, yeah. And Jasmine does a really sharp and searing unpacking of, of all that. It's quite thorny territory, um, but I think she she navigates it with quite a lot of skill. Batane, I want to bring you in here. Tell me about your character and her part in this story. 
Yeah, so I am playing Cleo, and Cleo is a fierce, kind of fiery character that I would say would think she would win in any debate that she um, possibly would be in. Yeah, so she has kind of she kind of goes on to Twitter sphere um, or Twitter and is tweeting a whole lot of different things about Kylie and how that's kind of affecting her and how the world kind of sees um, Kylie as an icon or some sort and is kind of challenging that to be like, are we really taking this on board and why are we respecting this person so much? And I think what I love about this character so much is not only is she really unapologetic about what she says, but um, there's so much truth in what she says in terms of how she navigates the world as a darker um, black skinned person and the relationship that then she has with um, her best friend, Kara, who Grace is playing. And yeah, how they navigate their friendship as well as how they both navigate the world in very different ways. Had you had any similar feelings to Cleo uh, when Kylie Jenner went through, as Keegan was just explaining, the whole lip-filling process and the praise that she got for that? Was that, was that something that had affected you? Yeah, well, to be fair, when Kylie came out with new lips, I kind of did a big eye roll, a sigh, and kind of like, oh, here we go again with another celebrity just, I guess, copying black features but getting so much praise about it when I personally feel me walking through this world I have been um, ridiculed for that and yeah I think there was conflicting feelings again that she was younger than me but also being praised by something that I have been bullied about for so long and again it kind of just feels like because she's such a icon with um, speech kind of finger marks that I'm doing um, in the air that you can't see Um, I think they get away with things scot-free and they don't really I feel like they don't really understand the effect of them changing their bodies in a very specific way and how that changes different or other people's experiences should I say. Now Cleo turns to social media the very thing that actually helped to make Kylie Jenner famous of course social media but she's tweeting her her thoughts her rage now even that can spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. Is this what happens to Cleo also? Yeah, I absolutely think it does. But I think even though it spirals, it's all, I think, planted in uh, Cleo's truth and hurt where she feels that she has to be so provocative just to be heard um, and just to be seen um, in a world that really doesn't want to see and hear her. But even in that, the responses that she gets requires her to fight even more, but it's never going to get the result that she really wants, which is to be like heard. Keegan, how did you hear about this play? Because it's had one hell of a response internationally. Really weirdly, I happened to be in the UK sort of when it was all sort of happening, but I got to read a few of the very, very early drafts of uh, Jasmine's writing on this play while I was training as a dramatic at the Royal Court. And so I had it already sort of in my consciousness. I didn't get a chance to see the play, but I could definitely feel the impact it was having because I was very much online, um, very much on Twitter and that people were sort of 
raving about this thing, this work, this theatrical work, this digital space made theatrical, that they'd never seen anything like it before and that it was discussing uh, such an important topic, a necessary topic in such a new, fresh and really yeah, provocative way. What sort of response are you hoping for from the audience? I mean, we, we started about talking about some of these huge themes and the impact on the lives of people like Batano, you know, who've gone through, who've experienced um, this kind of appropriation, this kind of hurt. But, you know, as your audiences leave the play, what are the sort of things you're hoping to hear in the conversations? With this play in particular, I'm sort of shunning this idea of of it being thought-provoking, of it starting conversations, because those thoughts and those conversations were started many, many years ago and continue to be reinitiated and no one takes them on board. What I want for this play and for people coming um, is for it to be action-provoking. I don't want them to go and sort of have a conversation with their mother. I want them to go and, and evaluate their own complicity in the perpetuation of the degrading of black women in media and the way we speak about them in the gifts that we use and the emojis that we use in the things that we laugh at when we watch drag race in all of these things it's so deeply embedded in language in behavior in our modern culture and our enjoyment of social media that i want it to be action provoking i want people to go why did i just laugh at that image on on the tv screen ah i remember that thing from the play i'm not going to do that anymore that's what i'm hoping for Atano, from your point of view, you're in the midst of rehearsals at the moment, and we were talking before we came on mic, you know, that it's an exhausting process. I would say emotionally exhausting, everything that you're going through. And just looking at the warning line, you know, contains racial slurs, descriptions of racial violence, descriptions of rape and sexual assault. You must be digging very, very deep, I imagine, for this role. Yeah, I'm digging deep, but also it's my lived experience. So I actually don't have to dig that deep it's I think the challenge for me or something that I'm navigating is letting people in to what that lived experience is and also being okay and being like I don't need you to rescue me but me being honest to be like yeah this is my experience but alongside all of these struggles and yeah I guess the emotional fatigue that it does take I've survived 26 years on this life uh, I mean on this world to like doing the same thing and so I think if anything it gives me a boost of confidence to really stand in my blackness and be like this is my experience but I'm not diluted or weaker I'm so resilient and that's power to the people I feel. Keegan, you and I spoke just a couple of months ago about the launch of the um, Auckland Theatre Company's Youth Company and you're really excited about building up that part of the audience uh, and that part of the industry. Um, here too, I, I feel that, that with this play, you're really reaching out to, to black, to Afro-Kiwi audiences, um, as well as to, to everyone who's going to come to the theatre to see this, to see themselves represented on stage. We've waited a long time for this. Yeah. Yeah, the time really is is now. It's it's always now. It's in um, as the play the play starts with the phrase that says we are in the present, the most the most present sense of the present tense. And so for me that goes now is always the time for this. And as you say, we've waited for ages. And what's really wonderful about being part of this is that Silo Theatre is doing what it really always does, which is bringing work to our Aotearoa that is fresh and immediate and urgent. And to be part of a production that puts its hand up and says, yeah, we are one of the first places that are willing to have this conversation out in the open, 
come and join us. That's a real privilege to be part of the team at Silo doing this. Barkenai Marshangaidze and Keegan Carfranch. Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner has its New Zealand premiere on the 2nd of June at the basement. It's a Silo Theatre production.